This episode of the only podcast about movies deals with sensitive topics, including the serious allegations of sexual abuse by Michael Jackson. Therefore, if you feel discussion of this subject might be triggering for you, please feel free to skip this one. Also, if you or someone you know has been affected by sexual abuse, the National Sexual Abuse Hotline can be contacted at 1-800-656-4673 or by visiting www.rainn.org. And now, on to the episode. What is up, Internet? Oh, my God. How lucky are we? My name is Matthew Kroll. And what you think would be standard instincts seem to go out the window. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Leaving Neverland. Ah, yes. I'm trying to, like, think of uh, jokes to say, but none of them are appropriate. And none of them uh, are warranted in this situation. And also, let's start (laughs) off as light as we possibly can before we get into the darkness. Shahir, welcome back, buddy. It's been a while. You haven't been here in about a month. I know. I've been listening to the the podcast on the road as well. Well done to you. I I enjoy it. You know what? I, I listened to the episode on Velvet uh, Buzzsaw, okay. and, I, and I was like, you know what? I don't need to see this movie now. I enjoyed the <laughs> so conversation. We, we did that good of a job. And yeah. actually, I will credit all three of our guest co-hosts, yeah. uh, Elise Brando, Stephen Buja, and uh, Carly Houston. Uh, all are, excellent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all very good Shahirs, if not bitter. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> no. It just, they, they filled your shoes quite well. Yeah, and I've got big shoes, so, you know, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, glad to have you back. You were you were on a whirlwind tour of your home country. I, uh, countries. I was in Australia and New Zealand, uh, which was wonderful to be home to. Uh, one thing I want to shout out before we move on to the episode was that it was really wonderful to talk to old friends and, and people I know who listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, so uh, some of those people might be listening now, and uh, one of the things that happened while I I was overseas is that I actually made a little short, uh, it's not quite a short film, but a little short piece while okay. I was out there uh, for another project that I've been working on. And uh, one thing that was just amazing was, I don't know if this is, this was not my absolute recollection of how things worked in New Zealand, although New Zealand is wonderful, it's where I'm from, it's my home, uh-huh. but people were just so willing to to pitch in and and like help out. Um, so I wanted to shout out to a couple of people who I know uh, listen to this podcast All right. and, and, and helped me out an incredible deal. Um, while I was there. And they are Dan Lynch, uh, who just, he basically spearheaded this production uh, out of nothing. Um, uh, and, and, you know, listens to the podcast, listens to both of us. Oh, Stephen Press, who we talk about quite a lot on this podcast. Steven! Um, who is actually the person who kind of uh, put me on to watching this film. Uh, he, he was like, oh, you guys should talk about this. Uh, but Stephen Price was incredible help to me uh, while I was out there. It was just wonderful hanging out with him uh, and his wife as well. Uh, and Nigel Stanford, who... Uh, oh, friend you know, of the show. Friend Nigel. Of the show, uh, who, again... When's uh, Nigel coming back on? Uh, that's a good question. I have asked him many times, like, what Nigel. films what he wants to do. But he, you know, he he's like, he's a dad of two kids. He's like, I don't go to the movies. I listen to the podcast instead of going to the All movies. All right. Um, so, again, Fine. thank you to those people. Oh, I also bumped into a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, Andrew Patel in Australia, who also listens to the podcast. Huh. Uh, if you're listening, Andrew, it was lovely catching up with you Well, again. it sounds like everyone's excited about your project, yeah. uh, which is great. And I mean, if if... I mean, I, I would be personally excited if I knew that you were coming back finally as the Black Ranger. Oh, the Black Power. That's really what I was <laughs> Is doing. Is that the project? I was getting in Can shape. You say? I was like doing some martial arts. Uh, they still shoot Power Rangers in New Zealand, I believe. 
Well, that's why you were there. Yeah, no, it was it was why I was there. Uh, <laughs> I have fulfilled my destiny. What you don't realize is that in the recent movies, I was actually the Black Power Ranger. No, oh. you know, I just had the mask on. Yeah, uh, well, but you this, did great. Uh, again, uh, thank you so much for uh, all the people who filled in while I was gone as well. I really appreciate that, and I think you guys all did wonderful jobs and showed uh, a better version of me. Um, ah. But we are here to discuss something. A little more difficult. I, I was like, I came, I came right back into the room to like bring the tenor down. We had three really fun yeah. episodes, even when the movies weren't always amazing. We did, we did Bel- Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah, we did uh, Captain Marvel. Fuck yeah. yes, and we did, um, we did uh, the Lego Movie Two, the second part. Now, I really want to see the Lego Movie Two because I really enjoyed the first one. Uh, do I need to see Captain Marvel? Okay, so my instinct for you. So, ah, you hey, know look, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be seeing in game, obviously. Oh, then you should see it. But do I? Do, but here's the thing, because I actually got into a conversation with uh, Jonathan Blade on Twitter about uh-huh. this. Uh, is do I need to see Captain Marvel in order to? Uh, it, like, do I need that information going into in game? Um, yes and no. I feel like to to enjoy the full minutia of it. Yes, I mean, of course, you'll be able to piece it together. You're right. you're a smart gentleman. Yeah. Like you get it. Ish. Um, here's what I will say about Captain Marvel. I fell in love with that movie uh mm-hmm. very very hard and i i think it is worthwhile on its own i think it takes the marvel um the marvel style yeah. and does an interesting thing with it yeah. now here's the the thing about me saying yes shahir dowd <laughs> go see captain marvel i'm more interested in what you think of that different thing so right. selfishly i'm like yeah go see it but i don't know if it's going to be your particular cup of superhero right um, I thought it was phenomenal. Right. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see it because of Anna Bowden and Ryan Flake, the directors, uh, who did um, Half Nelson and Sugar, which are two movies that I really, really like. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's that thing with like you know indie filmmakers kind of jumping into like this huge playground and what happens to them, and that that that's kind of my interest in it. And also, I don't want to be like, here's the two or three reasons why I think you should see it, why it's interesting, because it will break some of the surprise of right, those yeah, two or three I things. So like, I can't even get into. If I had to weigh all my checks and balances, yes, you should see it. Right. Uh, and you should see it in the theater with really good sound. Okay. Um, I think the sound mixing is super fun. Uh, okay. Especially going from space and back to Earth and like all that stuff. Okay. Um, Samuel L. Jackson looks good. DH. Samuel L. Jackson looks phenomenal. And I said this on the podcast, but I'll say it right here real quick. The only time it ever felt weird was with Samuel L. Jackson de-aged. Yeah. It never was in the face, but it was in one movement where like something happened and he had to run. Right. And then it looked like young Sam Jackson running like an older man. Okay. Like cuz it was like it was like that like you know like kind of hunched over run, not yeah. like an action like I'm a late I'm 20s to think early of Samuel, 30s. Samuel L. Jackson in action movies. I just I, the only one that I can think of is like The Negotiator, Die Hard with a Vengeance where he was running around but he was kind of old Samuel L. Jackson always has always struck me as over 40 well, like he was he's always been like, in like 200 and something films like yeah, he, yeah he's over 40 <laughs> yeah he, but he's like always been over 40 you know like even even in uh, Do the Right Thing which I think the first movie I saw him in He's like over forty. Jungle Fever. He feels over forty. Uh, will, Coming was, to America, where he plays like the <laughs> the guy who like holds up the McDowells. Yeah, he feels like he's over forty. I I just loved him because it was a chance to see young Nick Fury, like actually like bright eyed, bushy tailed, and kind of having fun. Right. And Nick Fury is not that ever in any of the other films. He's hard and grizzled Look, and like. And David Hasselhoff is my Nick Fury, so. 
If it's not that, I'm not interested. I'm not. Why did you come back? <laughs> <laughs> you remember the David Hasselhoff yes, and the kid? I remember the David Hasselhoff oh, Nick Fury. Oh my god, that was the fucking yeah. nightmare fuel. All right, but look, here we are. But we, speaking of nightmare fuel. Nightmare Fuel. A few weeks ago, I think it was uh, episode uh, 200 of ours. Uh, 400. 400. <laughs> You're getting ahead of yourself, No, sir. I've been a while, a long time. Um, was our separating art from the artist episode. Yes. Where we, I, I don't think we brought up the topic of Michael Jackson specifically, but we did discuss this difficult thing that we are going through as a culture, and I think we should always be going through, is understanding the notion that there is a distinction between the art that people create and the artist behind it, yes. and also that 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 we have to understand that sometimes terrible people can create amazing art. Um, and I think that was a fascinating discussion. We had uh, our, our friends from Your Favors Problematic on that episode, yep. and this this episode is gonna I think dive deep into a specific case case study. And I will say this: uh, I kind of dreaded doing this because. I felt like on the art versus artist episode, I made a case for not canceling someone, not can not doing cancel culture, but but basically trying to understand the context of around someone when you're examining their art. Right. I will say, and I grew up as a very uh, uh, avid Michael Jackson fanatic. Uh, I the, the there was there's a lot of difficulty in watching this film for me um, because Michael Jackson is such a central part of my childhood. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you talk about Moonwalker like yeah all the time. Used to, yeah, time. yeah, no, no, I do, and I I, I own Moonwalker on Blu-ray, and um, uh, this is an. Uh, this film is going to make it very difficult for me to think about Michael Jackson going forward. Um, so I, I'm the, 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 I think all of that is to say, I may not say the right things in this episode, but I'm thinking very hard about this topic okay. uh, in relation to Michael Jackson. Um, I don't know how you feel. Like, how, how does I mean, Michael I feel Jackson... like I'm going to say all the right things. <laughs> I'm not going to have to apologize for anything. And uh, that never happened. This is all just going to just work out really well for me. No. <laughs> um, what do I think about Michael Jackson? I, I mean, growing up, obviously, he was huge. Yeah. Um, here's okay, and this is less of a Michael Jackson thing, but I guess me growing up thing. I was not a huge um, music. Okay. Uh, kid, I guess we'll call it that. In fact, I my first CD that I ever owned, like I listened to some cassette tapes and stuff like that, yeah. but um, I think it was like Offspring's Smash, followed by Green Day, Dookie, and a couple Weird Al albums. Like, okay. I, I started on a music train late, and I feel like by that time, like, yeah, I knew Michael Jackson's songs. Yeah. I knew Bad. I knew Thriller. Yeah. Um, but I never, like, glommed on to Michael Jackson as the, like, I guess what I'll just say is like the king of pop, right? right. Um, and at the time, you couldn't dispute it just based on numbers and like all that stuff. But it never that. So then, when I mean, I was pretty young too when the first allegations came through. Um, right. 1993. Yeah, yeah. and then the, I, I don't really remember those, but the second ones I do in 2004 or five or whatever it was. Mm. Um, it, it didn't really affect me from a media consumption standpoint because Michael Jackson to be honest with the occasional um rewatch of Thriller or um if someone did a really good remix of a Michael Jackson song yeah uh that would sort of be my thing now I will say this though e even so hmm. with with me probably being the farthest one could be removed from Michael Jackson while still consuming uh you know pop culture yeah 
even after I watched this doc, I watched the first part of this documentary during a day, and then I went to a birthday party at a bowling alley uh, in and the I evening. Bet you they, Michael Jackson was and playing. Michael right? Jackson was playing, and I was singing along with it. And then I, I caught myself, and I was like, "Mother!" Like I, he is so ingrained in in pop music. Like yeah. it's just like you. This is a, this is a case where if. And we'll determine, I mean, well, everyone can determine for themselves, but like if Michael Jackson is a cancer in the music industry, this would not, the music industry, I would almost say is not a patient that could be saved if you cut it out. Like it's a weird, it's, it's that deep. Okay. Um, in, in pop music, the, and I, I'm, I, I'm personally an advocate for cutting out that cancer, but it's, it's, uh, incredibly difficult and complex. Yeah. Um, I think that that that's going to get into where we land after we've seen this documentary. Now, I, one thing I want to ask you real yeah. quick before we even so this is kind of leading into our our experiences watching the film, mm-hmm. uh, four hours of film. Mm-hmm. Um, the what was your before watching this and before watching the accounts? Mm-hmm. Um, what was your sort of take on all of this? Like as an adult sort of knowing that this this cloud hung over Michael Jackson's legacy. Like, you, we we obviously, we grew up and we probably missed the first trial that much, but the second one was in the background and then it became kind of like a a joke. Right. I mean, South Park did a bunch yeah, of stuff yeah, with yeah, it, yeah. like yeah. all that all that jazz. Uh, how, yeah, how, how do you, how did you feel as an adult before watching this thing? So I think that's one of those good examples of, um, you know, the thing around art versus the artist, which is that I hadn't really considered it much because... Um, probably because in 2003, when he was, uh, when he was, um, the uh, second, prosecu- the yeah. si- second prosecution, he was found not guilty. Yeah. And the first time he, uh, paid of 23 he, mil. Yeah, exactly. He settled out of court. And I think, I think maybe those examples had kind of led me to believe that, that there's speculation, but no concrete evidence. And I'd never... I you know like I still happily purchased Moonwalker without thinking about it you know like uh, or without considering the implications of my support for this artist yeah I still happily uh, had Michael Jackson in heavy rotation on my Spotify list um, we I still uh, Human Nature is a song that we played to my son while he was in the womb you know kind of thing and it was, yeah uh, and and um um. The, the the Michael Jackson track Ben is something that we would still sing to him as a as a you know as a harmony um, so Michael Jackson was still very much part of my life I hadn't I just I'd never really since he died um, it was it over 10 years ago now yeah um, I hadn't really actually given him much thought other than still consuming his art Um and I and I certainly when he died, I knew that it was a sort of a big event for me. But I remember also feeling when he died that I wasn't as attached to him anymore because of because of the cloud that was hanging over him. I mm-hmm. wasn't as you know like. But after he died, I was like, oh, remember this great musician that like lived in this time, you know, like period. And I hadn't really. You always remember re- the good stuff about people that die. Uh, what? So if, if for listeners, if you, I, I'm very curious for for you oh, know yeah. our age range of listeners and and what you know because I think we have a lot of younger listeners that uh-huh. weren't. Uh, some of them probably weren't even born uh, um, <laughs> around the first allegations of Michael Jackson's sexual impropriety. Um, so I'm curious 
curious, for listeners to email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod to let us know what their relationship to Michael Jackson is prior to watching this documentary. If at all. If at all, yeah. Because I think the other thing is this is a fairly ubiquitous documentary at this point. It is fairly easily available. Uh, in America, you can get it on HBO. In New Zealand, I watched it for free yeah. uh, um, uh, on a streaming service that's available for free there. Um so uh, I think the conversation around Michael Jackson is 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 uh, getting a lot of steam. So just to sort of put it in context for me, um, and the thing that I think is difficult for me is that I certainly saw for for these two people, James Safechuck and um, Wade Robson. Uh, I think I am around the same age as both these men, mm-hmm. um, and and their uh, fascination, obsession with Michael Jackson certainly mirrored my own. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in Fiji. Uh, Michael Jackson was uh, the, the be all and end all. You couldn't you you know if you were into music, you were into Michael Jackson. There's just no question about it. Um, as a kid, you know, I was obsessed with breakdancing and doing the moonwalk and learning all of his moves. Uh, I would sit in my room alone and listen to his albums i think uh thriller and uh bad were the first two cassette tapes i Mm -hmm. ever owned um you know when dangerous came out you know and black and white was being you know they they did a big uh push on tv to play black and white um you know like basically the entire nation stayed up to watch that you know so it was a big deal for me and moonwalker uh the film was a formative part of my childhood i i had that film on vhs uh, a dubbed copy of it to the point where I remember my dad got so annoyed that he would come home every day. <laughs> it was your Frozen. It was either playing, yeah, because my my son watches Frozen now all the time. <laughs> it, as far as he's concerned, that's the greatest movie ever made. It's also the only movie ever made. Um, but but like, uh, it would always be in the VHS machine, you know, like and and he would get so frustrated. It's called because... a VCR for you listening out there. The oh VHS yeah, VHS machine. The VHS machine. I was like, yeah, VCR, video cassette recorder, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I first learned to edit by connecting two of those I together. I did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double deck it. Double deck those things. Um, and um, so, and and I, I think my fascination with movies has a lot to do with Michael Jackson. You know, because a lot of the way I would consume media, uh, you know, short form storytelling was through Michael Jackson. You know, like uh, his music videos were. Uh, short films. Um, so uh, everything that Wade and James is talking about in terms of their relationship to just the icon of Michael Jackson sure. rang true for me. Like I understood what that was like. And so uh, if you told me that I think the thing that was difficult for me watching this is that uh, if I ever landed in Wade or James's shoes, you know, where you could meet Michael Jackson, I 100% believe I would be in the exact same position. Right. And I would have done exactly the same things they did because Michael Jackson meant that much to me. Right. And meeting, not only just meeting someone whose work you love, but meeting that person. Yeah. I think uh, uh, in the special Oprah Winfrey reference New York Times thing, where she, uh, a New York Times article where she said it's like staring into the sun. You know, like, you know uh, it's like staring at the face of God at that point. Uh, and then that brings up sort of, for me... <sighs> Where does that come from? Like, where does that level that they experienced that you said you might have experienced that millions I, I of certainly people, did. That yeah, millions yeah. of people probably would. Yeah. Like, what that is, in, and I'm going to use this word, and I don't know if I'm using it correctly, but that is indoctrination on a global scale. It, it, indo- it, indoctrination is is 
probably the way we see it now. Yeah, at the and, time. And I'm not saying that indoctrination <laughs> has a t- has the can, the tendency to mean like they meant to do it. Right. right. Um, I'm I'm talking about the media conglomerate. The the big <laughs> machine had a plan. Uh, and while marketing is a plan, yeah. Um, I don't know if. It you know like it, it wasn't. I'm not saying it was nefarious in that case, but I'm saying like I think something went off the rails. And and when you when you elevate anybody right to that height, right and, uh, and yeah, okay, that's so, a problem. That's a problem. So here's here's what I would say. So so we talk. You know, I'll talk about like my my personal relationship to why to the fact that I loved Michael Jackson. Um, the just looking at it objectively, like right now, and I think there's been a few people talk about this recently. Is there's there are no celebrities. There's no stars like Michael Jackson no. anymore today. No. Nope. And the thing that was um, uh, amazing about Michael Jackson, I think, in that period is growing up with him. Um, getting this, you know, like for for people who are slightly older than me, they grew up with him as part of the Jackson Five, yep. and then seeing kind of evolve into his own artist. But if you watch, uh, was it the Grammy Awards where he first did the Moonwalk? Um, you know, for the very first time, and I think he was performing Billie Jean uh, at that at that Grammys, and. He, I mean, for 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 all the stuff we're going to talk about later about Michael Jackson, we sh- should remember whether you like him or not. There was, you know, there are only a, a, a handful of other artists that have been as transformative to the medium yeah. as him, and they would be people like Elvis Presley or the Beatles. Um, so Michael Jackson is on that playing field. Mm-hmm. The aside from that, there is no one. Uh, for me, growing up, there's no I, I could just see myself just fascinated by looking at Michael Jackson, right? Like Michael Jackson, nobody looks like Michael Jackson. There's no other human being that had that sort of alien quality to them, where they didn't quite look like they were human beings. Um, incredibly beautiful men. He was an incredibly beautiful man. You know, like in his in his early twenties, around the mm-hmm. Billie Jean period. You know, beat it that sort of thing. It was like, but beautiful in this way that was odd because his he you know i think eddie murphy did a piece about this which was like michael jackson's you know like the one of the most beautiful people but he ain't the most masculine of fellas um and and that was strange because he had this femininity to him that was um that was beautiful to look at you know like it was kind of it, it was really striking um and then his his dance you know his ability to dance um you know you know, he was inspired by Bob Fosse, but but how many people to this day, there's probably a couple of dan- people who have danced the way he does. Well, so here's the thing, and yeah. I don't know this, but this mm. is something that I sort of feel in this in this day and age. Yeah. This is uh, this is not just about Michael Jackson and his talent as a dancer. This is about talent in general yeah. uh, for anybody. Yeah. Because we now have the ability to film ourselves doing anything and throw it on the internet. Yeah. I think we're realizing, uh, and granted, it all depends on marketing machines and all that stuff. But like, there are way more people that can do what a lot of super famous people can do that right. are out there. Now, do they have access? Do they have the spotlight? Is it the right place, right time? You know, you never know that. Right. But I think, like, for instance, I've seen a ton of Michael Jackson dancing, and it's fantastic. I've seen random YouTubers dancing, and in my opinion, it's just as fantastic. And I think that plays into another reason of why we will not see a celebrity like this again as long as the media, uh, the, we consume media the way we do. Yeah. It's because we will always see fantastic people doing spectacular things and it, only those chosen at the right moments to do the thing will be elevated slightly but the the, the pool is so full yeah. now yeah um 
But so, but I think the thing to to acknowledge there is yes, Michael Jackson came from a period where um you know like he was anointed at a very young age mm-hmm. in a in an era unlike today where you where if you can basically find an everyone has the capacity to find their own audience yeah. now and he was put in front of a large audience at a very young age. But the thing to remember there as well is that despite all of that, his particular brand of music and dance is so influential to the style of music and dance that exists today. hundred percent. You know, Justin Timberlake, for example, uh, is is so as as an artist is so indebted to Michael Jackson as an icon because it feeds directly into the kind of work that he makes. Yeah. You know, um, it's 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 impossible, and, and I think this will come down to that question of separating art from the artist because I think as you already alluded, it's it's impossible to discount the impact of Michael Jackson to music, pop culture, and dance. You know, like, like the, the, I, the notion of canceling Michael Jackson just seems uh, insurmountable to me because he's so, he's so clearly an important part of, of everything that we consume today. It depends on your definition of cancel Michael Jackson. Right. You can't obviously take away the <laughs> hundreds of thousands of probably millions of people he's influenced these other individuals' art. That's something you can't take away because, it, you know, you're, they they took something and they ran it through the filter of their own selves. Yeah. Um, what you can do is not listen to the music actively. You can, uh, you know, uh, discuss in detail your thoughts on all of this stuff with people that you know. There, there's, there's, the, the canceling someone, quote unquote, is the. It's a very like, <laughs> uh, like juvenile kind of thing. Because like, I mean, and I, I believe me, I fall for juvenile stuff all the time. Right. But it's like. Uh, we thrive, or not, not thrive, I'm sorry. We crave simplicity in our justice. And I think in, in sort of a hashtag culture, sometimes that can sort of, uh, you know, we get this one statement or something that like, like look at all of the popular shit, either pro or con, whatever you're into, and there's a, like a, a, one, a one to four word sentence about it. Right. I mean, you know, uh, you know, there's good things that let people know about about things like the Me Too movement. There's what I would consider bad things like Make America Great Again. Like we live in such a slogany, yeah, like thing. So I think when tackling something as as complex as um, dealing with these allegations and yeah. dealing with what uh, what this documentary presented and what I believe to be true. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little bit important to not just lean on the cancel Michael Jackson. We will never cancel Michael Jackson, but we could interact with his specific media that he has left us because he is now dead. Yeah. Uh, we can react to that and interact with it in different ways that are less um uh less um uh, conscience clearing, I guess would be the would be the term. I think I think yeah, and again, I think we should we should sort of come to that point after we've discussed the, sure. the, the we should films. talk about the movie movie we're well, just no, talking about michael right now no yeah because i think that that's the question that the film is kind of posing indirectly and i think i think the 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 way that this film is being presented now is forcing all of us and i think for for, for good reason to discuss that question um, so what is leaving Neverland about? I oh. mean, if, if we haven't described well, it already. Well, why don't I why don't I have IMDb tell you? Mm-hmm. Uh, at the height of his stardom, the world's biggest pop star, Michael Jackson, began long-running relationships with two boys, age 7 and 10, and their families. 
They now allege that he sexually abused them. Yeah. Um, this is directed by Dan Reed. It premiered at Sundance uh, to much uh, to much controversy, actually. And, and, and I think that controversy is fairly fascinating around this film, which is that uh, the there are I guess there are kind of two camps around this movie. And one is the people who adamantly believe that Michael Jackson is innocent uh, and therefore this documentary should be given no weight. Uh, and then there are, um, I, I'm not exactly sure how the other camp falls, but there's a sort of a spectrum on the other side of people who love Michael Jackson, who are sort of troubled by this, people who don't like Michael Jackson at all and, and absolutely believe them. So it's kind of an interesting spectrum on, but, but I feel like the, the anti this documentary people are very much Michael Jackson has never done any wrong kind of thing. I mean, that's jealousy. Yeah. Everyone's done something wrong. I right. mean, that's, you know, I, but I've, I've read a lot of these tweets. Yeah. And you can normally, in my, again, opinion, this is all opinion, mm-hmm. uh, based on how many words are capitalized in a tweet, you can <laughs> tell how zealots, how, how much of a zealot a person is. Yeah. Uh, because you do know you're not actually screaming, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when you type an all caps thing, mm-hmm. like, you're okay like and i've done it for comedy because i think it's silly (laughs) but these people aren't joking uh it it's look jealousy is a is a weird beast and when you and i you see it in every piece of culture you see it in in musicians that people love like michael jackson you see it in oh god in video game culture specifically like people base whenever someone bases they're in a large chunk of who they are on an external source be it a pop star or a, a game franchise or films or t- a television series or comic book wh- whatever right when something comes out that 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 re- you realize that a part of what you love and what you've based your person on, and maybe you're a good person, the, the stuff that like you linked to yourself is problematic or bad or, or, or on some scale. Yeah, you have two options. Right. Reinvent who you are. Yeah. Or double down and be like, no, I'm a good person. Therefore, no, of course not. No, no. And what's easier? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, option two. Yeah. So. Um, and again, I don't think that if if you don't be, like there's 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 arguments to be had. Yeah. Uh, discrediting some of the stuff in this documentary. Right. And there's ways to have those arguments that would make me listen to you as a rational human being. I wouldn't agree with them, and I don't think there's an, actually an argument that would turn me. Yeah. But there's ways where you can sound like not a crazy person and discuss it, right. even if your opinions differ from mine. Uh, and so far, I've only really seen, not all, but like the majority of the responses have been like just screaming at the void like, no, there's, there's nothing wrong. And it's like, okay, but like this all happened. Like even, you know. Well, that though, that leads me to my question about like, I guess, what did you think of the documentary? So the, the doc itself, um, I mean, it's super effective. There's no question. Uh, it, uh, the... I mean, the the two testimonials are what the whole doc lies on, and I mean, I look, I'm not, I'm not to say, not to say that I've never been lied to and believed it, but I believe these two men right. like a hundred and twenty thousand percent. I believe these two men. the The level of emotion and fear and release and and 
and and love in a lot of different ways that you can see if you have a drop of empathy in you. Like these aren't men trying to cash in on the fact that they were molested as children. Like that that's not that's not why they're there. Well, there is some that that is some of the counter arguments against, I know it is. against Wade Robson, uh, in particular, who. Um, I, and I, I'm just laying this out there. No, no, in you should. Of, in terms of we what, should have we the... do, what we do as a podcast, yeah. which is like look behind the film. Um, Wade Robson has uh, sued the Jackson estate for I think a billion dollars or some or some ridiculous. There's number. a real number. Um, he's also there. There is evidence surrounding the idea that he uh, is. Um, uh, Annoyed at the fact that he wasn't able to choreograph a particular Cirque du Soleil, um, uh, Michael Jackson. So that was that was come. There's there's been email evidence come sure. that that he wanted to do that. And then you know there is this question mark around him in particular. I guess around his uh, his very vocal support of Michael Jackson mm-hmm. uh, up until uh, the point of his lawsuit. Which yeah. and, and also I believe that he was shopping around a book. Uh, that he was trying to make yep. around the same time as well. I, I, I'm, I'm just putting that out there. Of course, as, as, as and and ca- those things, uh, none of those swayed my opinion of 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 these events. But those things on... aren't presented in the documentary, right? Uh no. Well, yeah. that's well, that's I'm sort of getting to that. Yeah. Um, but just sort of to finish up my thing. Yeah. There. To say that, and I think. Well, here's the thing. I think the reason why it, it's an effective documentary is it's not just Wade. Right. Uh. It's it's also Jimmy. James. 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 Um, and you, you can see from the two sort of sides of it, right? Like Wade stuck around in showbiz. Yeah. And James really didn't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um as far as I know. No, he he's in film production. Or yeah, but like, like that. It, it's yeah. So the fact that like you have both of these men coming forward with incredibly similar stories and the and the documentary does what what opinionated documentaries do. Right, they're going to load you up on the right music cues. They're going to give you ominous aerial shots. <laughs> does uh, anyone love drone shots more than a documentary? No, oh my days? god, yeah. it's like it's you. It's you can do a whole documentary just with drone footage. Why yeah. not just do the interviews via drone? Yeah. Um, the it is a very one sided doc. Yeah, uh, there's no question about it. But so so this is the interesting part, I think. Mm-hmm. And this is why I believe them, other than I believe the emotions they're portraying. Right. I don't think Wade is a spectacular actor that's now doing that. Like it just doesn't play for me. Right. The the accounts of where these children were when. That's all there. Like, the, these kids aren't lying about where they were or sleeping in his bed or going to Neverland or any of this stuff. Right. Right? They're not li- – like, people know that that's all true. What is the most logical – taking sort of the emotional account even out of this if you possibly can. What is the most logical explanation for this continual sort of uh, – let's call it sleepover culture mm-hmm. from an adult man and a young boy – and then, and then, di- uh, sort of discontinuing that activity at a certain period of time when a quote new friend is involved. Like, that's not how friendships work. Yeah. That's not how uh, a, a, a normal, I would say, uh, adult to child relationships work. Um, 
and and you could say, oh well, you know, Michael just was very childlike in nature, and blah 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 blah. Uh, sure, but again, it doesn't quite matter. Even to, to, and this is again, this is just maybe uh, this is me again. Yeah. But there's no fucking reason, even if nothing happened, for these kids to be sleeping in a bed with Michael Jackson. Right. Uh, so so taking all of that, mm-hmm. that is why I buy it. Despite the fact, like there are other ways to get money other than going on a national scale and be ready for the amount of shitstorm you are putting into your life yeah. to talk about how you were abused as a child mm-hmm. by one of the most famous people on the planet. Like there, it, it, all of that doesn't check out. And therefore, with the abilities, with with putting all that information forward. Uh, and knowing that the doc is trying real hard to make something terrible and ominous seem even more terrible and more ominous, mm-hmm. if that's even possible, I can separate that sort of like, like what we talked about, like documentaries sort of doing that and being one side and trying to like really get you. Yeah. Uh, separating all that just from the stuff that's been presented and the stuff that I've read. Right. Um. I, so I think. It is an effective doc in two ways. Mm-hmm. One, the information it provides outside of its um, stylistic context is damning. Right. And two, the stylistic context is helpful in that, though I do hope that people can separate that from what they're seeing and have an emotional have, – have a logical response along with an emotional one. What about you? How did, how did, how did you think this doc played? So as a doc, I think it is, um, it's very noticeably one-sided. It's very, um, very purposely one-sided, but very noticeably one-sided. I think uh, in terms of, you know, like we reviewed uh, OJ uh, Made in America yep. uh, last year, I believe it was, where I think that is a film that is quite, that has a breadth of, of information that it is trying to dispel and it's sort of, uh, and it's trying to convince you of an argument. In this case, this is a film which is basically trying to present to you uh, a point of view. Um, and and as such, the, the, the film uh, doesn't necessarily... Uh, back up that point of view with supporting evidence. It is basically there to kind of give you these testimonials from these two people. It's almost as though it's giving the you know Wade and James the opportunity to be on the witness stand and for you just to be the jury and listen to it. Mm-hmm. And I think I I I, I don't uh, disagree with that taking you know with the with that approach. I think it is it is um, it is sort of documentary manipulation in sort of the classic style. Um, there are a couple of other films that came to mind when I thought about this particular style, and the, and the person I wanted to sort of mention in Counterpoint is Errol Morris, who uh, would do films like The Fog of War, um, which is a, a documentary about uh, Henry Kissinger. Wow. And it's just a one per, one-to-one interview with Henry Kissinger. Um, the thing about The Fog of War is or or Errol Morris's documentary style. He, Errol Morris famously had this device that he created called the Interatron, uh, which is awesome. It's basically uh, a reverse um, uh, a filter that you put on top of a camera, which allows the person who's being interviewed to talk to a person, but behind that person is the camera itself. So they talk to the person as though they're there, but they're actually talking directly to it's the like camera. It's like a teleprompter, but with a face yeah, on Yeah, exactly. It's a, it, it's a teleprompter re- rewired. And what's it called? The Interatron. That's fucking terrifying. Well, the, that's the, like out of 1984. And the reason he did it was that he wanted the audience to have a direct one-to-one connection with uh, Henry Kissinger in that case, um, so that so that they could essentially, and I think the name is appropriate, interrogate his answers. Yeah, it's you're only getting this point of view, but you're invited through uh, the conversation to interrogate and see whether you believe 
this is true or not. Sure. In the case of Leaving Neverland, the doc, the the filmmaker is saying this is true. It's not. It's not. You know, it's not interrogating his uh, either of these people's answers, and I think that's an important uh, distinction to make. Um, that said, I I think because of all the things that I know about Michael Jackson, the things that you pointed out as well in terms of like the surrounding um, context around Michael Jackson that we understand the 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 sort of the the just the common sense around like whether you should have if you're a 35 year old man or what however age you are whether you should invite children to sleep in a room with you uh, in your bed with you and whether you should separate the ch- you know the those children from their parents yeah uh, I do believe these two men I I you know like I think Wade uh, in a classical sort of trial situation would be would be a very difficult witness to um, to fully support. You know, I, I could see him being easily torn down by uh, past actions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or just just surrounding actions which would bring into bring into question his reliability. But I a hundred percent believed him and and James, and James in particular, yeah, uh, in this context because I think. The the and, and I think the reason why I I found the documentary important to watch is that it highlighted to me even even if you don't believe Wade or James sure it highlighted to me what grooming is oh and, yeah and, and you know and I'm a parent now obviously I think I've mentioned that before are uh, you yeah no uh, yeah. oh congrats it just happened <laughs> um, but but uh, the process of grooming. Uh, is so insidious and so terrifying, and I think it, it, I watched the post special as well uh, with Oprah Winfrey, and, she, and you know the way she described it as well was that if the it, it, I found the wording very odd, but I understood what she was trying to say. She was like, "If the abuser is any good, uh, you will not know it's happening." And for these two people uh, and their families, and the grooming happens to to everyone around them, mm-hmm. um, they didn't realize it was happening, and I think that. And and again, coming from the point of view that I was coming from, which is that if if you told seven year old Shahir you could meet Michael Jackson and go to Neverland, and at some point, just through maybe a day or two's you know sort of interaction, at some point Michael Jackson said to you, "Oh, or you can sleep in my room tonight," I could see seven year old Shahir saying, "Yes, I want to do that," and I and I would yeah. nag at my parents to make sure that that happened, and then I would. I could see then the the sort of roll-on effects of of the, how the abuse begins and how it starts and and how it continues and how um, Michael Jackson could then you know manipulate uh, the person to believing that it's all it's natural and it's part of life and and everyone else is ignorant about it. You know, I could see all of that happening and it all it all makes sense to me psychologically. Whether you be, you know, I believe these two men yeah one hundred percent. If you don't believe it. Regardless if you don't believe it, I think you can you can watch this and see the process of it of yeah. how it can happen. Um, I mean, this is classic cult mentality. You don't get you don't get this amount of grooming without help. Right. And by that I mean not and, and not all of it is in like any. I'll even quote Oprah Winfrey: "If any cult that's good at it, yeah, um, most of the members don't realize they're doing anything wrong." Right. The, the people that are complicit in this. Are go beyond just the people at Neverland and his close handlers and yeah. all that stuff. It's the machine that allows him to be able to do this to the point where, and this is where it, uh, the doc never actually got into, and I kind of wished it did. Mm. Um, the mental state of Michael Jackson, 
because while I 100% believe that this abuse occurred and that mm. he is an abuser and yeah. that he um he damaged these two men and probably others uh yeah. you know just based on the pattern of what has been presented um it doesn't do anything to discuss w- how this happened how or yeah. what like yeah. like for instance I never for a second do I believe Michael Jackson is a mustache-twirling villain who's like, I'm going to use my entire machine to go do this stuff because I want to and fuck everybody. Like, like that's not what it is. Yeah. Michael Jackson was a sick man. Right. And that doesn't excuse anything that he did. Yeah. But there is a discussion to have there about... Uh, mental, cyclical abuse. Cyclical abuse. Yeah. Uh, the effects that has on the mind. Yeah. What that does to people when they are given unlimited resources. Mm-hmm. Allowing that to continue because someone is your meal ticket. Like there are things here yeah. that 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 are are classic cult style moves. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that again, and I'll go back to it. Even if no abuse happened, the yeah. level of indoctrination is that of a cult. Yeah, and and the level again, it's important. And I think to that point, I think the documentary could be a better film if it sort of took a little bit more of the O.J. Simpson Made in America route, which was that is a much more thorough examination of of the context of yes. this whole situation. But that's not what the documentary is trying to do. That's not what Dan Reed, the director, is trying to do. He's trying to just give these two men a platform to explain, to tell their story. And here's a question, and this, I guess, will I'll ask you, and then I'd, I'd love to hear what other people think, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or onlymoviepod on Twitter. Uh, send us your thoughts on this next thing. Do you think that it was made this way, given these two men just having a platform to tell their side of a thing, because of how adamant and how intense the opposition has always been. Hmm. This is the highest profile piece of media condemning Michael Jackson ever. Yeah. So so in the public zeitgeist, I guess I want to make my question simpler. In the public zeitgeist, because it is so weighted on the side of Michael Jackson is innocent. It's in a court of law, in public opinion, it's easier f- it, it, on both sides. It's easier to believe he's innocent because then you don't have to do any hard lifting of your own mental awareness. Um, so a lot of different things. Right. D- do you think that in a situation like this, even though I would call this doc as, as we're looking for a fair and balanced documentary, this is not that. Yeah. But do you think that it works as a counterweight? And do you think because of the enormity of the opposition side, let's call it, the fact that it is so pendulum swing to the other side is more okay than, say, a documentary that didn't have a full-blown media machine behind the the alternate uh, facts? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kellyanne. Um, No, I... I I did air quotes. uh, I think there is some some validity to that in that... um, the other thing is that Michael Jackson is dead, right? You know, he's passed on, and so we're dealing with the 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 remnants of his legacy. And I think, in many ways, this film is about the legacy of Michael Jackson. And 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 I think Dan Reed himself has also talked about how this movie's not about Michael Jackson; it's about these two men's story. Yeah. And I think from that point of view, it's an effective documentary. Whether if if the purpose of the documentary is to fully condemn Michael Jackson. Then I don't think it's a f- it's as effective because it opens too many it, it has too many 
doors that are opened up around it because of its lack of context. But but you get you also have to be aware of the person you're dealing with here as well. As like I, I I would struggle to think that no one knows who Michael Jackson is. You know, like compared to O.J. Simpson, for example, where I was like, I sort of loosely know, you know, for a lot of people, it was like they loosely know who O.J. Simpson was. I didn't know who he was until the murders. Yeah, exactly. But for Michael Jackson, I I think we're dealing, we're in a slightly different orbit of the, uh, of the universe. Um, and and I think in, in those terms, again, to basically allow these two men to tell their story, I think it is effective. I, I would personally... I think it could be richer if if we were allowed to interrogate those stories a little bit more as as a as an act of documentary filmmaking, but that's not what this film is. And I think and again, I walked away believing these two men, and I think it's very difficult to watch this film and not believe these two men and the stories that they have to tell, um, because it's simply. It's simply, again, you know, and and I and I bring my personal experience to this about you know how I felt about Michael Jackson as a child. Yeah, uh, it simply makes sense. The other, the I watched and I started thinking a lot about the other media I I had consumed around Michael Jackson around this period. Um, so during his uh, court case in two thousand and five, there was a big Oprah Winfrey special uh, about him mm. uh, where she interviewed him. I'm not sure if it was the two thousand five or the nineteen ninety three one, but again, all of those. That documentary or that that piece of media is kind of, um, it's it's like embedded with the enemy kind of thing, you know. Like yeah. it's it's surrounded by his music. It's it's visiting him in a place, and his his aura of stardom is such that that it's hard to be drawn into that, regardless of what you're trying to do. Like there are very little pieces of media where you see Michael Jackson taken away you know like having his stardom stripped away from him so you're just seeing you know like the classic way to do that is to show the mugshot right the mugshot is the way you you strip a human being out of their stardom mm-hmm. and you have to like think about them as a human being again michael jackson is such an alien personality such an alien looking figure that i don't think there's very many pieces of media that that allow you to do that and especially like the the media that was around him all kind of, you know, they played Michael Jackson music in the background. I watched this morning um, Living with Michael Jackson, uh, the Martin Bashir documentary uh, that came out ar- around that period as well. Um, you know, and and that's basically following Michael Jackson around as he's in Las Vegas buying up, you know, millions of dollars worth of stuff that's, you know, with his music playing in the background that's following him around Neverland. They do, tr- you know, Martin Bashir does try to ask him questions about, like, is it appropriate for you to be sleeping with children? But that's like... 10% of the documentary, the other 90% of it is just like... Look bas- how cool Michael Jackson is. I mean, whether they want to or not, just basking in the awe of this person's life, which is so different from so many mm. other people. But, okay, so coming back to the substance, substantive quality of this film in terms of like what happened to these two people, I think the two, the couple of the big takeaways for me are, again, grooming, how grooming works. And and I'm on, since watching this film, I'm on high alert now. You know, like just this idea that basically the, the purpose of grooming in a way is to indoctrinate a person to, uh, indoctrinate, particularly children, to indoctrinate them to not realize that they're being abused. And that's kind of what yeah. Oprah Winfrey you know, said when she said, if the abuser is any good, you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is how, how important grooming is in terms of like grooming the people around the person that's going to be abused. Right. Um, because the thing that I think is interesting, the counterweight to this film is seeing the parents. Well, seeing the mothers. Yeah, seeing the mothers. Uh, well, I want to get to the parents uh, in a second because I think 
the other thing that was fascinating to me is both these families had absent, not absentee fathers, but but the 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 parental unit was broken in some way. Yeah. And I think that was the, to me, that was the sort of uh, Wade's father. I think his name was Dennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story of Wade's father, who basically almost in a way had his entire family leave him while he was dealing with uh, depression, maybe bipolar disorder or something yeah, like that. They it, left their sick father slash husband to yeah. go hang out with the biggest pop star in the world. And he committed suicide. And, and how do you, how do you as a human being compete with that? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if, if that's what his, you know, like that, that was the core of his problem. But, but no, 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 no. I'm not saying that that's, yeah. that's not why that happened to him. He, he was a, from what we understand, he yeah. was a sick man yeah. who needed help. And, I don't think he got what he needed uh, and his, for various yeah, he, places. And his family basically left him. And and you c- the thing that I think of the, the tragedy of this is the fact that the Robson family was basically swallowed into the orbit of Michael Jackson. You know, whether um, consciously and purposely, you know, whether they wanted to or... I feel like they wanted it as well. You know, like the, the mother... Uh, oh and, yeah, and and Wade, you know, but Wade's seven years old, so what are you going to do? But but the mother absolutely wants to be in this world, and I think both mothers are seduced by the lifestyle. You know, they're seduced by the prospect of this. Um, uh, on the other, so so that was the tragedy of of Wade Robson's family. The tragedy of of the Safe Chucks, um, in a weird way, uh, it's not appropriate to say it was funny, but there's a sort of sitcom quality to to this idea that like that Michael would turn up at the safe Chuck's house and like it was all like in my mind I just kept on thinking of Alf you know the TV show <laughs> Alf I was like I just kept thinking because he because he because remember the mother says at one point he would walk in and go the safe Chucks yeah and I was like and she was like making him cookies and doing his laundry I did the wrong laugh it should have been ha <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh, all the way from Mel Mac um, oh Mel Mac Gordon Shumway baby my parents had a this is a side note my grandparents at their farm named all their rooms because they're like old school they had that such yeah. and such room and the whatever da, da, da. and the guest room was the Gordon Shumway room and I got to sleep in Alf's room that oh, was they... my that was my favorite thing <laughs> but there was something like like again in the early stages of it and I think this is part of the grooming process as well something sort of oddly comedic about this idea that the world's biggest pop star comes to like this little tiny house and, <laughs> and, yeah, and hangs out it feels like a Mork and Mindy episode or or Alf again uh, it was, that was the only thing but like um the tragedy there I think was this sense that the mother you know lit her just basic maternal instincts go out the window because it's Michael Jackson mm-hmm. you know like and 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 I understand that like I do I I, I don't I I believe I would be smarter than that myself now but but that's because I've seen the documentary and because I've grown up a little bit you have to remember at that time there you know celebrity and stardom were very different things than they are today sure. and and Michael Jackson Michael Jackson coming over to your house and you're baking him cookies like the and then Michael Jackson like flying you over to Neverland Ranch whenever you want to go and Michael Jackson taking you on tour wherever you want to go like paying for your house or something paying for your house you know giving you home loans and that kind of thing you're in the orbit of the sun you know at that point like but but then with the sun analogy yeah right 
we're in orbit of the sun. The Earth is in the orbit of the sun. You know what else is in orbit of the sun? Is Venus and Mercury, and they're either husks or super hot birdie gas planet. Like you, there is a moment in time when, if you are a, uh, I, 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 this might not be the correct terminology, but if you are a um, healthy moral person, right. I'm not saying you can't get swept up. That's how cults work. Smart yeah. people get brought into cults. Right. But I almost feel like, and again, I've never been a parent. I don't know this. But like, I feel like that is the kind of thing where you'd catch yourself getting caught up because of your child. Like, I could see myself getting caught up in a thing, but if I was responsible for another human being that I happened to create, the... That to me, it would at least for me, would be the hold up a minute. Like I'm, I'm going to bring up a movie which I know you hate. Okay, cool. Spotlight. So in I sp- do hate Spotlight. Uh, I love Spotlight, but in Spotlight, there's a there's I don't a, hate. Yeah, I, I've I've watched Spotlight a bunch of times since then, and I, and I I find it gets richer every time. And there's a thing in Spotlight where one of the victims is saying, um, you know, your life is falling apart, and a priest takes you in and and you know uh shines a light on you and tells you you're special it's hard not to you know and a priest is your model for god Mm -hmm. you know and so when your model for god kind of comes into your life everyone kind of believes that this is a good thing i 100 percent and and you know and you know what i mean and so in the case of michael jackson i think it's a similar thing which is that now it goes to extremes but it goes to extremes with priests and uh, abusing children as well you know what i mean like the the leaving your child with a grown man who is celibate, you know, like you, in in all parameters, you should be kind of double guessing that. But but the power structure in place, the celebrity in place when it comes to Michael Jackson, allows you know the quote I I mentioned at the at the beginning of this is that what you would believe to be standard instincts seems to go out the window when you have someone like that. And I and. You and I have both been around celebrities, um, mm-hmm. and and you know, like we both talk to people that we've idolized from afar, sure. kind of thing. And and you do find yourself. I, I find myself, you know, like the sometimes the levers of like rationality go out the window slightly. You know, like like just in very subtle ways. But and to I, a, but to I will say it, at least for me to a point. Of course, to a point. Michael Jackson is telling you that your child is special and it's Michael freaking Jackson. But the if my biggest if, star yeah. on the and planet. And if the biggest star, if God came down and said that my child was special, I'd be like, oh my God, thank you so much. And I'd start hanging out and I'd do all the stuff and da 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 da. But then there is a line. Uh, of course. I'm uh, but that uh, is but, also how indoctrination works. I, but, I and and you and I I don't know it's who easy your, to say that. I, I don't know who your idols are, but I'm sure there are people here's the fascinating <laughs> thing. This is what I wanted to get to, and yeah. this is gonna kind of go a little well, bit. Just, just before oh, yeah. that, I was just gonna say, imagine if you're a devout Catholic and the Pope comes to your house. You know what I mean? Think of it that way. But here's the thing. Yeah. I can't. Right. I can't imagine that. I think any level of power like that, the Pope, uh, 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 any kind of organized religion, uh, any sort of political figure, any pop star, the second that you equate them to something that is so undamnable, the second that they become more than human and the thing that your life, that gives your life meaning, that's the problem. That, that that's and I'm not saying that there aren't good things that can come from organized religion and things like that. But the second that you 
that you as a human being put your own uh, you logic yourself out of making your own well-being putting that to the side or or the well-being of someone you love putting that to the side because someone is an idol or a demagogue that's the problem and i, I that's I, I honestly this all comes back to a little bit of my worldview that's why i don't want to buy in that's why i can't buy into any of that stuff because i honestly believe there is not a person on this planet that could come to me and and right away like again indoctrination is a different thing but i'm paranoid as fuck like i just it's it, it's it's a hard sell for me i i again i don't know who that person is for you i don't think there is one i I'm gonna say I think there probably is one, and you just don't. Yeah, let's try. And, let's and, try and to my, figure it out. No, no, no. Because no, <laughs> my point here is, my point here is, is you can understand how this happens. If you can't think of that person, that doesn't matter. What I'm saying is, you could understand how this could happen. Yes. To, to this, logical smart people. To logical yes. smart people. A hundred percent. But it's it's also the reason why, and the reason why I don't, the reason why I can't fully empathized outside of a logical empathy in in a way right is because i think the, the here's the per, i think i think i cracked me in a weird way right that idea that i believe is infallible mm -hmm. is the idea that no one is infallible like you can't there's I, that's why i'm having a hard time being like oh what's the most it's, but it's not an, it's not about infallibility it's the idea that you can be around a person no no that you can be seduced by power Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? That's what it is. But there is, but but like even you said before, and how we've been discussing, like the level of power that the Pope or Michael Jackson or whoever has in in relation to, to you. you. Yes, yeah. I'm trying to. Th I, I purposely in my own life, yeah, try not to have that with anyone. That I mean, and that's very and, admirable. And maybe, but, and maybe but, it's but, not true. But you can see. I can see it, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see it happening, yes. right? And you can see it. And but the, that's why I'm saying that's the the dangers of doing that with anybody. That's why I believe the things I believe is those intrinsic dangers. And maybe 99% of the population would not allow their children to get into the situation. But this is again um, the think of the think of who these children are. The, the first is, uh, you know, James Safechuck is a child actor whose mom is trying to get him into show business, yeah. who ends up on a Michael Jackson commercial, who somehow is also a good, you know, like kind of emulates mm -hmm. Michael Jackson. It's like the Catholic to the, you know, to the Pope. Um, it's it, and and Wade Robson is a Michael Jackson impersonator who's at, who's seven years old. I think these are very specific children that Michael Jackson oh, has yeah. picked. You know what I mean? Like the Pope is not going to work on me. But the Pope, it, but but like to a family that's grown up in Catholicism, that you know, like worship, you know, that that believes the Pope's going to work for them. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to mm. like, how do I put it? Mm. It's just why I don't like <laughs> monotheistic power structures. Of course, no. I, logically, nobody does. No, 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 no. Not logically, nobody <laughs> does. Logically, a lot of people do because it's because. It is easy. It's very, and I'm not saying that that there's. I'm not faulting anybody for having a belief structure or something like that. It's very helpful. It it can help you. And to be honest, this is a we're getting off on a tangent, and I apologize because I believe the what I believe and 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 feel the way I feel. A lot of times, I'm super lonely. Right. Like, and and that's a way. Like I've thought about like oh like 
I don't. We've talked about this before. With like, I don't have a, a tie with my um, uh, historical background. I don't have a tie with any sort of thing. Like, you know, whatever. I have a small family. Yada yada yada. Um, so I a hundred percent see the drive to want to 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 uh, to use the orbity term to use the gravitational term like orbit around uh, uh, one thing or multiple things and then when that thing comes at you yeah. holy shit yeah when the light shines on you from the thing that you have idolized your entire life it's i i, I again i don't agree with it yeah. but i think that's how it happens to, you know because logically if you're a parent and someone and like you know take yeah. all you have to do is take michael jackson out of the equation all you have to say is 35-year-old man wants to sleep with your child. Any parent... Yeah, they could be like, fuck you. Yeah, any parent, you know, like, you know, will say no. Now, now, now put in the context that, like, you're a Catholic, and the Pope says, it's gonna, I'm, I can, I can heal your child if he sleeps in the room And with here's you. the thing, I would love to, and so, again, that's why I can't say for sure, because I can't put my mindset in that thing, yeah. but, like, everyone, everyone in that, who even is a devout Catholic, I think would like to say... In that situation, in that hypothetical, of course not. Yeah. But when you get to but it, but child abuse happens. And here's the thing, 100. <laughs> percent And this is why I think, getting back to the film, the two mothers and their different reactions by the end of the second part. Yeah. Um. And and also the the complex emotions that both um, James and Wade have for Michael himself. Like, yeah. The, the, I think that's a really fascinating part about child abuse that that isn't talked about much, but this film gets into. Yeah, I mean, the, I, we, uh, I'm, I, I'm blanking, but which one of them had the ring? Uh, James. James. Yeah. Like he pulled out this ring from a from a supposed wedding ceremony uh, between <sighs> the two of them, and like he is decimated. Like, and not just in like it, it's a cacophony of emotions because there's all of the stuff from the abuse, but like. There's also the 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 rejection of this relationship that he had formed. You know, like that's that's the thing that I think it, this 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 film kind of you, portrays beautifully. He got abused by the person that was also the love of his life that also dumped him. Yeah, and it's like, and and he was a child. Yeah, like fuck, yeah. like that's insane. And you see that on his face. Yeah, and that's not something. And this is, I guess, sort of, we've been talking for a little bit. We can go for a little bit longer, but I just, sort of, my final thoughts on it is, like, that moment perfectly encapsulates, encapsulates what I think the importance of this documentary is. Do I think it's a fair and balanced look at this? No. But, but like I said before, the media coverage around Michael Jackson has never been fair and balanced because he's Michael fucking Jackson. Um... But you, I think you, sorry, and I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. but, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> but you asked a really important question at the beginning, which is that how did Michael Jackson become Michael Jackson? Like, why is it that Michael Jackson, and I think I answered with like, there's no one like Michael Jackson on well, the planet. I think but, it was, the, it, it's it's the right media place at the right media time. Yeah. It's a, a a tremendously talented team yeah. that brought him forward. And then you look at those people, and I, I don't know the structure of who came in and who left or who whatever, but like. The, he wasn't doing anything, his success or his uh, terrible acts. He wasn't doing anything alone. Right, uh, yeah, there is, and that's one thing that I think the doc doesn't really get into. It doesn't, but but again, it goes back to what you said before, it's the story of these two boys, and these mm. two boys didn't deal with the staff and the managers, they mm. dealt with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, the, I would have loved to hear more 
discussion, but maybe the parents were just so enamored with Michael Jackson it never really happened. Like the staff that would then tell the mother that they'd move them farther and farther away down the hotel block when they traveled. Right. Like, who are these people? So they did, uh, during, I think, a couple of the court cases, they did interview, like, housemaids in the house. and, they, and, and um, But I'm not even talking about maids. I don't no, want to, uh, like... Yeah, but uh, people who kind of said that they saw the abuse and walked away. But obviously, I think what you're pointing to as well is that there were people who not only saw the abuse, but... Actively profited off of it. Actively engaged in it. Yeah. You know, actively supported it be- by doing what Michael needed in order for it to happen. And I think the thing that I would have been interested to see mm-hmm. would be to have more discussions about those people. Yeah. Because those people are still alive. And 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 I want to hear what they have to say. It's I mean it, it is kind of like the question around and again, you know, coming back to Spotlight is uh is that it takes uh, I think one of the quotes in Spotlight is it takes a village to abuse a child. Yeah, you know, like it is a it is an it's an it's a system of of abuse that 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 is required, and and that's what happens in this film. It's just I think the you know to me the most extraordinary thing is is for for me personally seeing how it could have had you know like I, I'm nowhere near Michael Jackson, but if if those circumstances presented itself. I could easily see myself in that scenario. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the, the the thing that you're talking about as well that it was so difficult to watch and understand is that the way, um, again, the Oprah special kind of gets onto this as well is that that you know there's this misconception that that abuses and and rape, for example, is uh, you know, violent or throwing someone or against the wall. Or always, yeah, always violent and throwing someone against the wall. In this case, it wasn't. It was like, you know, they even descri- in, in their own words, it was gentle, it was tender, it was loving, and and they talk about this in the Oprah special, which was like, it felt good, yeah, you know, and that's that's the that's this sort of complex web of human sexuality and emotion and 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 difficulty that we have to deal with. So the thing that really, I think, um, concretely made my my opinion uh, solid about believing these two people right. is, is, you know, like Wade has, you know, and again, I think Wade is the more, the more problematic. Uh, yeah. Figure. He literally, if, if what he's saying now is true, he lied under oath. He lied under oath. Yeah. And, and, you know, and he's also tried to profit from, from his relationship with Michael Jackson. His career is entirely based on his relationship with Michael Jackson. But, but I, I, you know, like I think the part of uh, the separating art from the artist kind of activity goes both ways in this in this in this situation which is that we should do that with Michael Jackson we should also do that with Wade and 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 we should hold it that that two truths are possible with Wade which is that he lied under oath and he tried to profit from this but also that he's telling the truth that doesn't mean none of those things negate the fact that he might be telling the truth and I think I believe he is and the thing that 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 sort of solidified that for me is this notion that he he accepted the you know the abuse because he didn't see it as abuse, you know, like he saw it as a loving relationship yeah. and that he was saddened by the fact that he was replaced and dumped and moved away from, um, you know, like, and he's still kind of engaged with Michael Jackson. If he could just get back into the orbit of Michael Jackson, he would be okay and happy. But it was when he became a parent. Yeah. And he thought about that relationship 
to his son. I, I, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. I Koa, think it was his daughter. Yeah, whatever her name is, his or her name is. And I think to me that tie, you know, what, what this documentary did cyclically without really, I think, trying to do it cyclically was acknowledging the role that he as a parent has in protecting his child. And, you know, he, he as a child, he's sort of dealing with a complex web of sexual emotion and that sort of thing. But as a parent, he realizes that he would never let that happen to his child. Yeah. You know, and I think, and and that's why he's telling his story. I think one one last piece of filmmaking thing I want to say that I liked about this documentary is the first half is the majority of the super heavy shit. Like it's 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 the it's the abuse. It's the it's two hours of just going into that nightmare. Yeah. The second and at the end of it, I was like, "Am I gonna watch another two hours <laughs> of this?" I'm like, I felt sick. I was just like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. And then the second half is sort of more of the stuff you just brought up, and sort of the after he died, and then like the you know how that affected, and then sort of their coming out stories of letting people know about how and why that happened, etc. And that to me, I thought was another reason why I found the documentary effective. Right. Because, it again, it takes it away from the salaciousness of Michael Jackson, and it puts it it puts the importance squarely on these men and their families dealing with a trauma. Yeah. And through becoming a parent, through a couple different ways that it happened, and then, and then it starts interviewing all the family members and, like, how they reacted, and, like, they were lied to their whole time, too, because they didn't think of it a different way. So, like, I was really happy... That you know, while it didn't do some things I would have liked to see, that second half really surprised me in a in a good strong way. Yeah. Uh, to not just be a, like another sort of like, it's easy to look at like the concept of this documentary <laughs> and be like, oh, it's just a salacious hit piece. Yeah, uh, without watching it, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but after seeing that second part in particular, I was like, okay, this is this is for the I I would argue the uh, the. Uh, and I'm not talking about a monetary benefit. I'm just talking about the benefit of these men's stories being told and them being able to finally tell the truth about a thing, which I believe happened. Um, um, yeah. And I, I mean, I want to read just quickly uh, the Jackson Estates rebuttal of this film ah. because they wrote uh, they wrote a letter um, rebutting this whole thing. But they said uh, in there and they, they're suing HBO, by the way, which will be held in court, I think, in June or something along those lines. Uh, cool. Um, but uh, this is what the Jackson Estates is. Leaving Neverland isn't a documentary. It is the kind of tabloid character assassination Michael Jackson endured in life and now in death. The film takes uncorroborated allegations that supposedly happened 20 years ago and treats them as fact. These claims were the basis of lawsuits filed by these two admitted liars, which were ultimately dismissed by a judge. The two accusers testified under oath that these events never occurred, they have provided no independent evidence and absolutely no proof of support of their accusations, which means the entire film hinges solely on the word of two perjurers. And I think it is important to note that if you're just looking at this from a legal point of view, I was really curious as to whether this documentary um, takes away the right of reasonable a uh, reasonable rebuttal from the Jackson estate. You know, they have a right to 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 refute these claims and and whether the documentary by not interviewing them actually, you know, denies them that right. And and I'm also the other thing that the documentary kind of like does that I think is really interesting is that neither of these cases are being tried. This is there's no there's no case here. So what's happening is someone is basically just saying this happened and and the documentary is treating this fact. I 
I walk away 100% believing these two people. Um, if it if it didn't happen, this is an incredible piece of storytelling yeah. uh, and an incredible piece of manipulation. But I do walk away believing that this happened. And I think the important thing uh, for me is it comes back to our art versus artist discussion, which is that since watching the documentary, whenever Michael Jackson plays, I wince. And I, and I think about my response to it. And I am starting to like think about, you know, what is my relationship to Michael Jackson? And, and I think, you know, uh, I think this is consistent from what I said about art versus the artist, which is that I don't want to cancel uh, the art versus the artist episode, which is that I don't want to cancel Michael Jackson. Uh, I want to have that wince response. I want to have that response that now is informed by new context. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the the weird part about it that I think I'm trying to negotiate is that, and, and even the documentary points to this as well, is all of this was in plain sight. Yeah. You know, you always saw Michael Jackson with children. If you watched Michael Jackson's bad music video, you know, it's all about children. You know, like his... Every uh, commercial, every... Yeah. yeah. There's a really interesting article on, um, uh, it's not Gizmodo, but it's, uh, sorry, I'll just pull it up right now, Jezebel, uh, by Rich Wozniak, which is uh, basically analyzing history, the the album history, from the point of view of, like, what was Michael Jackson trying to tell us yeah. um, if this was the, st- the, the background to those things? Like, how do we now reread yeah. that? And I think, uh, for me... Th- that's what our role is. That's what uh, our role is. The only podcast about movies is, is not to like, yes, we believe that the, these two people are true, but our role is to actually say, well, now if we believe this to be true, how do we read Michael Jackson's music? How do we read Michael Jackson as a person um, because of this context? And I think this context is important and surrounds us. Um, and my relationship to Michael Jackson has completely transformed because of this context. Yeah. And I think that's why it was powerful and that's why I wanted to discuss it. Yeah. Um, well, with that, uh, this has been the only podcast about the film Leaving Neverland. And if you have left Neverland like I I think I have, yeah. you should email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod to discuss your flight. <laughs> was it was, the turbulence? Uh, Shakir, when you are not coming back to the States full force after three joyous episodes of, of lighthearted film, I'll say, to come back down with a actual serious discussion and one I am very glad we had. Where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me at my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you are not being dragged down by your, fa- your, your favorite New Zealander to the depths of uh, uh, one-sided documentary filmmaking. <laughs> Where can people find you? You can find me being incredibly fair and balanced at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. You can also find some of my work over at Extra Credits on YouTube. We are doing some fun stuff. I believe we just uh, released an episode on... Um, uh, oh, we're co- we're concluding Bronze Age myth on extra mythology. We're doing the story of Gilgamesh. I don't know how familiar you are with that, Shahir. I know the name Gilgamesh, uh, and I, but I'm thinking of I know it from oldest, Asterix. It's the oldest <laughs> myth. 
Uh, and was most he on, of was he on the Smurfs? Uh, yeah. No, that's Gargamel. Yeah, close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it's told uh, in a very fun uh, way. I please urge you to check it all out. It's uh, it's I will call it brotastic. Okay. Uh, it's very very fun. Uh, also, we're doing I think uh, Extra History just did one on the um, both the act and the trial of the Boston Massacre. So um, some interesting stuff over there. Uh, next week, <laughs> it's just gonna be us, baby. What are we going to be talking about? Us, baby. Oh. <laughs> you see what I did? Yeah. I am pumped for that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see it this weekend. It's going to be dope. Well, actually, last weekend we'll have seen You know how time works. Um, <laughs> it's a flat circle. It, no, it is not a flat circle. It is uh, a linear, ever-splittering, multi-dimensional. Can you do a Matthew McConaughey impression right now? All right, all right, all right. All right. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.